Welcome to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive, featuring conversations with performing artists and industry influencers on what it takes to succeed in the arts. I am your host, Diane Foy, and I believe that you really can make a living from your creative talents. As a publicist, podcaster, and coach, my mission is to educate, motivate, and empower you to thrive with authenticity, creativity, and purpose. Hello, and welcome to episode 49 of Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. Can I share a secret with you? I can't do what I do without the guidance of my previous and current coaches and mentors showing me the way. Until a few years ago, I was 100% DIY. And as a creative, that's a respected way of doing things, as I'm sure many of you are currently trying to build a career all on your own. However, since I discovered coaching, I've seen that life is just so much easier when someone with more experience than you in an area that you lack shows you the way. That's why I show up for my musician and actor clients. Although I'm passionate about arts and entertainment, I really do what I do because it allows me to connect with other creatives on a personal level. I'm able to have an impact on their lives by helping them build confidence, grow their audience, and achieve goals so that they can build a thriving career in the arts without feeling overwhelmed or doubting themselves. That is what my coaches do for me, and I'm very grateful. I still hustle, but now I hustle with a clear plan of action to achieve the life of my dreams. There are a million reasons why I love my job, but this is what really lights me up. Who is your supporter? This upcoming month, I'm offering free coaching sessions to qualified musicians and actors who are driven to succeed but lack a strategic plan. If you want to stop letting fear and a lack of knowledge hold you back, I can guide you with strategies to propel you to the next level. To apply, visit dianefoy.com slash thrive. Speaking of coaches and mentors, my guest today and I work with the same coach in Dallas Travers, and that is how we connected. Brett Schufert is a veteran singer, dancer, and actor of eight Broadway shows, including Beauty and the Beast, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, The Little Mermaid, and is currently in the Broadway cast of Wicked. Hailing from Texas, Brett has been living deep in the heart of acting world since moving to New York City in 1999. He has appeared in several feature films, including The Wolf of Wall Street, network television such as Law & Order SVU, and The Good Fight, and several web series. Brett's best collaboration has been with ballet dancer, actor, and husband Stephen Hanna, and together they host the Broadway Husbands podcast. As the Broadway life coach, his mission is to help artists bridge the gap between creativity and commerce so that fulfillment becomes the norm rather than the exception in show business. 
Brett hopes to continue working as an actor on Broadway and in television and film while helping other actors reach their goals. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. So I uh, am fascinated by both your career and also your career as an actor, but as your Broadway life coaching. That sounds interesting, too. So we'll get into that. Um, So I'm curious. Well, first of all, like your most recent acting before COVID hit was Wicked. How long were you in that? I just joined the Broadway cast in November. Right. So only, I think, four months into my job there. (laughs) So it's crazy. And then everything shut down. Yeah. (laughs) Were you a little lost? Like, I guess as as everyone, we were just like, okay, now what? What do we do? Well, you know, it's interesting as I feel like immediately it, it... it's no different than when a show closes. Like when I, and that's happened so many times in my life that usually I, it was a very interesting thing. Like people who aren't used to working in a freelance life, I think probably felt totally lost. Um, and I, and I would actually say to a lot of people like in my family, especially be like, welcome, welcome to, <laughs> I know. this is what it's like when you don't know when the next job is going to come and you don't I know when. I was kind of feeling like that too. Come. I'm like, my life right. is no different. <laughs> I don't know about all you people. <laughs> welcome um, to my world. <laughs> you know, and then just the way that I've always been is I'm resourceful and, yeah. and driven. And so it's like, and, and I'm always thinking, how can I help? How can I help the situation? How can I be of service in this moment? That's just my first impulse. It's not like, yes, I get time to like sit and watch movies. It's like, no, I want to do something. I want to get into action. And crazy productive. It's been great. Oh yeah. (laughs) It's amazing. Um, So we're in this, um, it's been interesting. You know, we, we landed, we live in the East village of New York city. Uh, When I say we, my husband, Steven and I, and we have um, an, an Instagram account called called Broadway Husbands and we have a podcast called Broadway Husbands and we we podcast about our lives uh, as artists uh, making a living and and marriage and we want to grow a family and all that stuff so we live in the East Village and when the shutdown happened we made it about 16 days before we were like let's just get in the car and go (laughs) (laughs) Um, we were lucky to have a car through a weird turn of events last year that was given to us. And so we were like, we're lucky. We have a car. We can get out. We don't, we're not going to contaminate anything. So let's just go. And we went to Pittsburgh and we were in Pittsburgh for about three months. And then we came back again uh, to New York two weeks ago. So we've been back in New York for two weeks. Okay. So you had a little bit yeah. of a, an escape. It was good. It was exactly what we needed. There was nature, there was space. Walking around the East Village during the shutdown was really intense. <laughs> so, <laughs> seeing bunny seeing bunny rabbits and deer outside of Pittsburgh was was soothing. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even in like I'm Toronto, and at first everyone's like all the wildlife sightings, like a fox <laughs> in the middle of downtown Toronto, and I think on mm-hmm. my street there was a wild turkey. <laughs> oh wow, I love that a giant wild turkey just walking down my street. <laughs> okay it was fun um but you know we're slowly getting back um but uh yeah so what was it when you were young that 
first inspired you? Did you always know that this is the career you wanted in performing? Yeah, when I was really little, so I have three brothers. I grew up in Texas and I have three brothers. I have a twin brother and uh, two older brothers and they were all into sports, baseball, naturally football, soccer. And of course my parents tried to get me to do all of those things as well. I think mostly for convenience to not have to drive everybody everywhere. But I was in love with musicals. I skipped and sang and hopped around the house. But when I saw my first live performance, I was six and it was at the local library and it was a bunch of kids singing about don't talk to strangers, don't do drugs. And at the end of that performance, I just wept like I, my mom thought I got stung by a bee. It was very dramatic. <laughs> the, the feeling was very visceral. And I, she, when she calmed me, I just said, I want to do that. And so she went to the woman who had been conducting the kids at the front of the stage and said, my son really wants to do this. How can you get involved? And that's when I started performing. So I was six wow. in Beaumont, Texas doing singing, dancing. And it was, an, dancing was a natural thing for me. Um, and I, you, you couldn't stop me. Like that was it. It was like tunnel vision from that moment on. This is what I'm going to do. This is who I am. This is what I want. And I think for most of my childhood, it provided an amazing escape. And it also kept me, I didn't feel like I belonged there. I didn't feel like I fit in there. And so I could fit in on stage. I could fit in you know, in the, in the dance class and inquire because I was good at it and, and it brought joy to people and made people feel good. And I loved that. Um, so yeah, that's when I started. And you were in acting classes, dance classes, everything since you were young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I, um, I mean, I, I did mostly community theater until like middle school. And then I read a book uh, I was a huge, this is show, showing my age. I was a huge Debbie Gibson fan. Oh yeah. And I had her poster for on my wall and I read some book from the book fair about how she got an agent. I didn't even know what that meant. I just went to my <laughs> mom and I said, mom, I want an agent. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so she has one. <laughs> yeah. I was like, whatever Debbie did, I want to do. So she was like, what is like, how do you even know what that is? I was 11. So we went to the local family portrait studio and took some photos and put together a resume of all my community theater shows and sent it off to Houston, which was the local, the closest town uh, was Houston. And I got an agent in Houston, which was about an hour and a half away. And the agent said he needs acting classes. And so my mom being supportive enrolled me in acting classes. And I, took at a studio in Houston and she would drive me twice a week, an hour and a half each way to take acting class. And then I took dance class three days a week. Uh, I really kind of stopped when I got to middle school with dance classes because kids made fun of me until uh, really fifth grade. And then in eighth grade, I was like, you know what? I miss it. I love dancing. So I went back into ballet and jazz uh, tap. I took tap, but I didn't love tapping. I, I loved jazz and ballet. And, uh, and so I was, and I was in choir and I sang in choir and I still did community theater. I mean, I feel like at one point in middle school, I was doing like five productions of community theater a year. Wow. That's amazing. And my mom and yeah, my mom and dad were just like, 
figuring out carpool situations because they knew it made me happy. And if they grounded me for like, if they would ground me, they would try to like, I would have to not take dance class and I would lock myself in the room and just so depressed. And so they were, they were scared. They were like, if we, if we don't let him do this, what's he going to do to himself? So, um, so I, that's what I did. I mean, I just threw myself wholeheartedly into it. And I know like that's pretty lucky, but I also realized I've realized later in life, that that focus and that commitment is what got me where I'm at. It wasn't talent, you know, that's a byproduct. It was that learning how to be that focused and that committed and seeing this vision of what my life could be, not, not letting whatever things get in the way of that vision stop me from going after it. Yeah. You know? And that's really important. It's like so many people want that life, but, you were obviously just born into it. You surrounded yourself. You wanted it so badly at that some young age. Of course, you're going to end up on Broadway. <laughs> no question. <laughs> <laughs> so um, did you go to uh, theater school um, mm-hmm. after high school or anything? Yeah. So uh, we ended up moving in high school to a really small town. But the drama teacher at the high school ironically was very good and he uh, he had done directed some shows at the community theater so we knew him so we moved to the smaller town they had a better baseball team for my brothers in the better drama department but then he quit after my freshman year of high school and moved ironically his daughter is a broadway performer and is still in my life but we lost touch for about 10 years until we reconnected in new york but when i graduated high school i I got my first professional gig at a summer stock theater outside of Houston in Galveston, Texas. And I did my first paid professional gig when I was 18. I turned 18 that summer and it was, I mean, it was, I was so green. I mean, I came from a small town in Texas and just was surrounded by these people from New York with all these Broadway credits. And I, I, when I think about, and I, even when I run into some of those people this, these days, I'm, I always want to apologize and be like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was so green. Uh, but then I went to a little, I, first I went to university of Oklahoma, which was a BFA uh, conservatory musical theater program in outside of Oklahoma city in Norman. And after two years of that, without getting in too long into the stories, um, I ended up transferring to school in New York City, which was a smaller liberal arts college called Wagner College. So I really, in my four years of college, I I knew I had to get my degree. My parents were not going to let me not get my degree. It was like a thing for them. I was like ready to go. I wanted to work. But I'm really glad I did it because it really taught me a lot about being a human being and not just being a, a performer robot getting that education for me provided a, and, and not only that, but the people that I met who are still in my life from those four years have made my life complete in a way that I think that if I had just tried to work at such a young age, uh, may not have happened. So I graduated from Wagner college, got my degree, got my equity card that summer at paper mill playhouse. I worked every summer between my years in school. So I was full throttle. You were in uh, New York already for school. And when did you, what do you consider your first kind of big break? 
Yeah. Well, I got my, I mean, getting my equity card at Paper Mill Playhouse was pretty much, I thought a pretty big deal because, you know, you're always, especially when you're young you're like this idea of getting your equity card seems like such a hard thing, but then to get it at such a reputable theater was, was pretty cool. But my first Broadway show was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And, you know, yeah, I'm a huge Disney nerd. Anyone who follows me on Instagram knows I'm a huge Disney nerd. So you're talking about, it's not a Disney movie, but it's the Sherman brothers who wrote Mary Poppins and all that. And so getting to I, at that young age to get to work with the Sherman brothers and pick their brain about their life with Walt Disney. And it was a fun show. We, and Jillian Lynn choreographed it, who choreographed Cats, rest in peace. And, you know, just getting to like, that was a huge, spectacular first Broadway show to be a part of. I was yeah. so grateful for that. So that was, and I was such a, I, at that time, I was such a strong dancer. You had to be for that show. It required a lot of stamina. Um, so I was super grateful for that. One thing I'm curious about, I, I was probably going to save it for the coaching part, but I just got to know, why on actor <laughs> resumes is there no years <laughs> I don't think it um I, I, I that's a good question I <laughs> you don't know <laughs> I don't know I mean I don't think that it I don't think it is it relevant matter. to the job you yeah. know like as an actor they're not going to be like oh you did that in 2008 and also I think could potentially reveal your age and that could yeah. be a hindrance sometimes in auditions if they assume you're a certain age, but you look another age or whatever. So yeah. Um, I only notice it as like an interviewer. I like to go through your journey. I don't know ah. what order these are in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was 2000. Maybe you did wicked uh, at the beginning and not now. No. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That was 2005. Well, you know, most shows don't run that long. So yeah. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang only ran for nine months. So most people know, oh, that was 2005. Um, okay. But, you know, Beauty and the Beast, I joined in 2006. And I think they were into their 13th year. Wow, yeah. And there were people still in the show who'd been there from the beginning. Wow. Which is amazing. And Wicked, same thing. I mean, the Wicked is the, besides Beauty and the Beast, probably the longest running show that I've joined and that, uh, you know, 16 years that show's been running. So it's yeah. really interesting. Very different process to join a company like that than to start something new, like when I originated Little Mermaid or Chitty. Um, yeah. Cool. And then you've done some national tours. Is that kind of in your earlier years, or you still do national tours now? I've done two national tours. I did a national tour of... Uh, the the sound of music that was young. I was Rolf, so that's that's how young I was. I was looked looked like I was seventeen going on eighteen, and I then did I did that one tour. I worked a lot regionally, which is actually my favorite thing to do to work at regional theaters. I did the national tour of South Pacific, which actually we went to Toronto for five weeks. Oh yeah, and that was in two thousand ten. And um, so that was the only other national tour that I've done. On your resume, it says Dreamgirls. <laughs> well, Dreamgirls is a great story. So Dreamgirls happened in 2007 or eight. And I remember that they, 
that I went to the open audition. And while I was in line to go into the room, I emailed my agent and was like, hey, would they be willing, like I'm in this line, but I'm just curious. I feel like this could be a really good job for me. The, it's the guy that sings Cadillac Car, the one white guy in the whole show. And I said, hey, I'd really love to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at the open audition. And he said, he just emailed me back, get out of the line. I'm getting you an appointment. And he got me an appointment. And I went in and booked it. And all I had to do was spend one day in a studio shooting and recording the song. And then they projected me on an LED screen on the stage for the number. And I was in the bot, in the playbill. I got to check every six months and <laughs> I didn't have to go on the road. So you didn't at actually all. go on tour. <laughs> <laughs> and I would well, have people like text me like, Hey, I'm here in Boise and I'm seeing the show. I'd love to say hi afterwards. I'm like, I'm not there. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a call. <laughs> 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 but you can't see me. That's cool. That was a sweet gig. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what are maybe some of the stories from auditions? Because then mm. that's something that uh, listeners can learn about is audition process, um, any challenges that you've met along the way in your career in auditioning and in shows, any kind of words of wisdom for a, the up-and-coming actors that want your career. Yeah, when you're starting off, especially when you're first, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to fail and be open about it. Be vulnerable, be willing to say, just be willing to try. I think so many young actors are wanting to produce this like super polished, super finished thing. And they're missing out when they come into the room on the actual thing that's going to connect them to the people behind the table, which is who they are who they are as a person. And, and when you're young, everyone knows you're discovering that. Everyone knows you're figuring it out. And the people who are going to stand out are the ones who are willing to figure it out in front of people. The people who are willing to just say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to sing this song or even ask them, which song would you rather hear this song or that song? Like engage people and let them guide you because that's, what's going to help you be seen as a human being. And I just see, you know, I see so many people struggling to be perfect and to be um, seen as ready. And the, the thing is like when you're an artist art, the most successful artists don't wait to be ready. They just go for it. They just try. And then, you know, and then as you get later on, you do become known. You know, that's the goal. The goal is not to book work. The goal is to become known. And by, by becoming known, you book work. And so once people know you, then I, I, you get I to- love that just because that, I, that's what I uh, teach or coach <laughs> is getting known. That's my area is getting you known. Mm. And that's right. the thing. You have to get known. And then everything right, else but, comes but easier. There- but the thing that I think happens with so many young people is they're so stuck on the hows. Like they're just trying to figure out how, 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 how did Kelly O'Hara get there? How did, uh, you know, Audra get there? How, you know, Oh, I, I didn't go to Juilliard. Oh, that's, that's not going to happen for me. And they're forgetting the why. Yeah. And they're forgetting why they do it in the first place. And if you start with that, if you lead with that, and you know, like what it, why you do what you do, and what it, is, and then what it is you bring 
to what you do, which isn't just on social media. Auditioning is a marketing. Auditioning is networking. Auditioning is part of the experience that you create in the world. Yeah, and I was thinking that how you said that to be open with the casting directors and just be like, would you like this song or this song and be a little bit more willing, that kind of shows that you're easy to work with. That shows that you're not going to be a know-it-all. Right, and that you're op- like you're just willing to engage people. And listen, there are some people who aren't going to like it, but your job is not to get people to like you. Your job is to become known. Yeah. And going, going to an audition to me is really, yes, you need to be polished in that you need to be prepared. Like if you're going to have two songs, know them both really well. Yeah. But invite them to be a part of that experience. People just want to help other people. That's part of, unless you're a total psychopath, like <laughs> that's what people are born on this earth to do. And if you're not engaging people and not inviting people to be a part of your journey to help you, you're actually not allowing people to be who they are put on this planet to be. Yeah. There's no connection. Were you always doing theater and Broadway and what made you transition to television film or was that just along the way you did some TV and film? No, I I actively started wanting to pursue more film work, but my resume was so musical theater heavy and I knew that the tools I had in that uh, area weren't going to translate to television and film auditions. I just wasn't as experienced. So of course I studied to learn the skills, but I also started working on learning uh, that, that area of the business a little bit more, who are the casting directors creating a target list and really specifically targeting that area, submitting myself, going after that work more actively. And I started booking, you know, I did some small independent films and then, uh, and then I've done some television film work since then. I was in The Wolf of Wall Street. And I've done just just this year, actually, just in January, I shot an episode of The Good Fight. And so that's been, you know, an interesting world to explore. And I've done a lot of commercial work. I really loved doing commercials. Like that was like when I booked, I think it was after Little Mermaid, I was like, I'm going to just do commercials all the time. I love doing commercials. It's super fun. That's funny because I don't really hear that very often. <laughs> it's usually yeah. actors. I'm doing commercials to make, to pay the bills, but I don't like it. <laughs> but that's Oh fun. my gosh, it's so fun. It's so fast paced. And, and then it's over. You're like, that was fun. I got to be silly for a whole day and I got paid a lot of money. And then those residual checks come in and you're like, yes. Yeah, um, but but it's not art, you know. I think it's. I I also love doing film and television. It's just a totally different experience. I mean, being on set for The Wolf of Wall Street for an entire week, next to Leo DiCaprio and and Matthew McConaughey, was probably one of the most professional. You know, Marty Scorsese. I've never experienced anything like that. Yeah, you're working with the best. I love it all, and I think that ultimately it's just about really committing and seeing not necessarily waiting for a result. I think that's what so many actors do is they're like waiting for that thing. Like I'm going to get that thing and then my whole life is going to be solved and I'm going to finally feel fulfilled. And what I've learned and why I love to coach is I want to teach you how to be fulfilled now 
because then Broadway TV film just becomes a stop along the way of this journey to fulfillment. Yeah. And you said something about um, making a target list and going mm -hmm. after that. What are some of the steps to do that? Like, what do you mean by that? Like you made oh. a list of casting directors and stalked them on socials or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I that's, stalk, that's usually but... <laughs> my advice. <laughs> Internet stalking can get you far. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say stalk. I would be careful of those words because I do think that you want people to smell someone who's after something. Oh yeah, for sure. It has you to know, be genuine, authentic. And Theater people are even more cynical of that. It's interesting. Theater people are very insular. I think it's part of the same reason why I fell into theater is that we grow up wanting to feel safe. And so we want to keep theater feeling safe. So you have to genuinely want to build relationships with people. It can't just be like, I want to be friends with them so they'll get me a Broadway show. Right. And, um, and so I learned that pretty quickly. I think in LA, I mean, I think in television film, the relationship dynamics are a little bit different because I think the jobs come and go a little bit quicker. So you're, you don't have like, you know, I'm not saying that like you shouldn't invest in those relationships. It's just a different experience in the television film world than I've, I've noticed in the theater world. Um, I'm thinking so, bigger industry too. So there's just more totally. people. There's more totally. Yeah. Um, so when I say target list, I say really narrow it down. So, so many actors are trying to do everything. So when you really understand that you can do everything, you just can't do everything all at once. Pick the one thing that you know you're really good at. It may not be the eventual pot, you know, like the pie in the sky thing that you really want, but you know it's gonna get you working. It's gonna get you in. Like I never, like I loved dancing, but I never wanted to be known as a dancer. I wanted to be known as an actor, but I could dance and I had that skill and I was good at it. And that's what got me in, right? So what's the thing that you know your, your skill is there and that you can believe in wholeheartedly and, and commit to, to going in and like commit to that. Okay, if I know that like, I'm really good on camera. I'm real, and my passion is television. I love doing sitcoms. Let's say, I love doing uh, a single cam camera sitcom. I know I'm good at that style of comedy. Then, who are the five casting directors who are working on that? And it doesn't have to necessarily be casting directors, but I would say narrow it down to like five to ten people: the showrunners, the casting directors. Those are the people you want to sort of look at. Okay, how do I get to know them? What are the tools at my disposal to slowly and genuinely start to build relationships with them and find out if they're my people? Is it casting director workshops? Is it a, an agent? Who are the people who are on those shows? Who are their agents? Like start to kind of pull uh, and narrow it down and say like one of these five shows are the shows I'm going to be on. And then don't let distraction come into play. Well, I could do commercials. I could do modeling. I could do theater. Like you're going to end up watering down all of your efforts by doing that, by narrowing it down and just committing to one path. You're going to end up getting through the forest into the meadow with a lot more clarity. Yeah. I think that's great because I think as creatives, we, 
we are easily distracted. We want to do so many things like you're, you're passionate about all this. And then I guess if you're also at a place where you're not really sure how to go about it and that's where great coaches come in, but mm -hmm. you know, you do tend to go in many different directions and then not really get anywhere. So it's yeah. a good advice to really focus in on what's something that you are the most skilled at right now that you can actually make happen and just get working. And then you can always transition later. Yeah. And what will end up happening though, even with that is you'll start on that path. And because the universe sees that you're on one path, these other paths are going to intersect and it doesn't mean, no, I'm on this path. I'm going towards television and a Broadway show comes along. You don't take it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it just means that like the universe is gonna be able to find you a little bit easier when you're really committed to one thing. Yeah, I think it's also really knowing what you want. Well, that's 100%. That takes I mean, some time to figure that out too sometimes. And that comes back to why, like, why do you want to do this? Yeah. You know, it has to be, it has to be a value that you feel is bigger than you. It can't just be about becoming famous. It has to be, what do you want people to experience? What do you want people to have? What do you, when they witness you on stage or in an audition room, what do you want them to feel and experience of you? Yeah. And then what made you transition also to get into coaching, coaching other actors? Well, for me, I mean, before I booked my first Broadway show, I had struggled a lot with addiction. And I finally made a decision to get sober one day at a time in 2005. And ironically, three months later is when I first booked my, my first Broadway show. And there was something about that that reassured me that that was the right decision to, to, to commit to staying sober. And that personal development path really began there. How do I become a better version of myself how do I start to become of service to others? Those are principles, you know, that I learned in recovery. And I know that struggling as a young gay kid in Texas who had this big dream of being on Broadway, no one gave me the tools I needed to confidently approach that. Yeah. And part of that was, you know, part of the result of that was falling into addiction and falling into other things that were negatively affecting my life and financial, you know, I was sort of, I hit rock bottom and I committed at that time. I'm not going to let that happen to myself again. And I want to help other people prevent that from happening as well, because you don't have to struggle to be an artist. You just don't. Yeah. And I just had heard so many lessons and so many thoughts that have been taught to me that artists struggle and to be successfully successful as an artist financially, you're going to be in so much pain and deal with so much rejection and all these keywords that we constantly hear that I think, you know, they, they dysfunction our belief systems. You can get stuck in that. Mm-hmm. And then you forget, what do you really want? What do you see as the outcome? And, and clearly envisioning that so that you can really go after it. And then was it back then you, that you got in to get certified for being a coach? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I coached for a while. Just, it happened naturally. I'm really yeah. good with social media. I'm really good. Uh, I was even when Facebook was the only thing existed, I was good at social media and uh, people would come to me. How did you do that? How'd you get an agent? How did you, how did you do all of, you know, 
all these things. And so I was like, wow, I'm giving all this information out for free. And I need, you know, it was like between shows, I was like, I need a side hustle. Why don't I offer this for people I don't know? And, and cause I think this is worth value. I think this is taking me at that time, 30 years to figure out why am I giving it away for free? I think yeah. that there's a lot of value here. So I started coaching and I love it. I just love coaching uh, a lot. It's really watching people realize their potential is just such a gratifying feeling as I'm sure you know. Yeah, it's amazing. That's, that's mm-hmm. I think, the, the major thing to take away when I you know, studied coaching, did all this practice coaching, coaching, coach, coaching. Mm-hmm. And then when you actually start coaching, it's like when it's life-changing, like after a couple mm-hmm. sessions, my clients yeah. are saying, this is changing every aspect of my life. That's right. powerful. And you really actually is. make a difference and you can help someone get to where they want to go faster because you've already, you know, we learned it the hard way. <laughs> mm-hmm. So th- I love your name of your coaching, uh, the Broadway Life Coach. Is, <laughs> did, how long have you had that? Uh, I started that in 2009. That was when I came up with that title. And I think it came up, there was like a, there was a, I don't know if it still exists, all that chat, which was this old chat room for Broadway fans. And somebody had seen me and said, Brett does coaching. And, and somebody had said, I'm looking for a Broadway life coach. And I was like, it's pretty genius. I'm going to steal that. And so <laughs> That's I exactly bought the domain. What I am. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought the domain and boom, here we are. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Because it's really clear of what you coach on. Like you're not the television film coach you're the broadway coach you want to be on broadway let's do it so what kind of things do you coach on do you coach acting as well as how to get their career or what are the i don't because i mean i i have and i can but it's not where i think the most value comes in because what i what i my goal really because broadway the community of Broadway stands on its own. It is really this community. And my mission really is to help build a, it's sort of integrate into that Broadway community, people who are healthy and who are confident and who are want to help shift the Broadway community into the most positive version of itself. So my mission really is to help empower actors and creatives to be more authentically themselves in everything that they do between marketing and auditioning and even showing up to their shows and also help people really, like I said, discover why it is they do what they do so that they really bring the best version of themselves to, to that experience. Because I, you know, you're seeing a lot right now, especially with racial justice movement that, that the theater community needs to change. And I believe that change starts within. So how do we help people change themselves so that we can empower the community to be its better self? Right. And so clients that come to you for coaching, what is kind of their, what are they coming to you for? What is their, Mm -hmm. I know, as coaches, we can tell you what we think they need, but what is their question? Like what, yeah. what oh, sends they them always searching with, for you? Almost always start with, Hey, will you tell me my type? 
<laughs> um, <laughs> will you, uh, a lot of them want to discover how to get more followers and social media. I, and I listen, I can talk social media for like an entire day. I'm a nerd about it. I love it. A lot of them want to know how their audition book is, how look at my songs. We do talk about that, but I go to it on a much deeper level than they've ever been discussed. Right. right. We look at who they are and the values and the things that they bring into the room. And then we look at their songs and go, does this reflect that? Right. Does your social media actually show those things. Why are you starting a YouTube channel just to like sing 16 bars of what you really want to do is do scripted television work. You know, like they're just, there's so much to, to separation between who they are as a person and what they do as a performer. And I wanted to help build, like my goal is to help them find where those two things intersect. Yeah. I think that's exactly how I approach it as well. Um, they all want to skip those foundation <laughs> steps and get right to, that's why they come to me as a publicist. They're like, no, no, I don't want to do all that. I just want to have some PR. And I'm like, no, no, no. Right. It's, um, that's, I think my struggle is trying to express or try to explain the reason or what that, you know, slow down. <laughs> how do you, how do you kind of approach it to kind of explain why those early things are important? Well, I think that the, the, the most important thing is to understand that you have to be in this for the long haul. You can't, this isn't a short term career. This isn't yeah. like, okay, I'm going to just like wait until I get that Broadway show and then be like, okay, I'm good. Yeah. Because the Broadway show may never come and then you're just frustrated. And those are things you can't control. Yeah. So we start with like, what are the things you can control? What are the things you can't control? And we start with looking at, okay, I, if I'm committed to this for the long haul, how do I want to approach every day? How do I want to be in this moment? If I know that that's going to happen and I strongly believe it and I feel it in my bones and I see it and I'm committed to it, which is the only people I want to work with. I don't want to work with people who are just like, I just want to get famous and be done. It doesn't yeah. work that way. Yeah. Right. And so finding those people who are fully committed and then we help them learn how to, to get there one day at a time and not try to get the quick, easy, fast answer because relationships, all of it, it's a process. It's like, you don't want to play the end of the scene when you're acting because yeah. then the audience doesn't get to have the journey. Yeah. They don't so know it's how a you got process. there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm always kind of sharing that. And I, I say it with such passion because I'm in there too of everything will always take longer than you hope. It's just mm -hmm. the way it is and it's frustrating as hell, but are you only into this for six months or is this a long time career? And you just have to, if you're in for the long haul and you're going to do whatever it takes, then, you know, eventually you'll get where you want to go. It's just well, what I say is like, period. it also doesn't have to, it also doesn't have to take long. It can happen tomorrow. It's like letting go prepared, of yeah. results and understanding that success lies in the actions that you're taking, not the results you make. Right. If you're taking action every day towards being successful, you are successful. Yeah. I like that. It's great. And then, so you have a podcast too. Tell me about that. Yeah, so Stephen and I started a podcast called the Broadway Husbands Podcast, and that's more about how we, you know, 
we interview people who are making a living in the arts, LGBTQ couples mostly, to talk about, you know, we really wanted to normalize LGBTQ marriage with uh, on a greater perspective because we didn't have really role models as kids for that. And also for a couple that makes a living doing what we do. He was primarily a ballet dancer with New York City Ballet. And I've been doing musical theater my whole life. So it's been a really fun project for us to do together. And of course, right now we're documenting COVID craziness and how the, the Broadway shutdown, how we're managing that. And it's a really interesting time. Oh, that's great. And how long mm. you been doing that? We started that in November. Okay. What episode yes. are you on? We are on episode 31. Oh, great. And the, we have, um, we're part of the Broadway Podcast Network, which is a network of theater Broadway-centric podcasters. Cool. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So anything else that you want to share? Um, no, I listen. If you're if you're open to it, I would love to just invite your listeners to come join the Broadway Life Coach Group. It's totally free, and we do interviews with Broadway industry people every month, and um, and it's just a really great community of supportive artists who are looking to pursue a career in the theater. Yeah, I was also going to ask, like, um, is it only New York based Broadway people mm-hmm. or other areas. No. Yeah, you know, I always say you don't have to be on Broadway to live your Broadway life. I mean, yeah. it's I have people um, all over the, the world who are part of the community who are really just trying to uh, to stay consistent, especially right now. There's just it's really hard to to keep that vision in mind when things are so uncertain. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. So that uh, what is the Facebook group called again? Yeah, you can just go to broadwaylifecoach.com. Broadwaylifecoach.com. Broadwaylifecoach.com and you can join the group there. Wonderful. And your social media handle? Uh, Brett Schuford. One T, B-R-E-T-S-H-U-F-O-R-D. And of course, you can always follow Broadway Husbands at Broadway Husbands. Cool. And yeah. I'm sh- I usually ask, what is your why? Do you have like a, Hmm. what is your why? I think I already know, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to help people see the world and themselves differently. And so everything I do, performing, coaching, all of it is to help people gain a different point of view. Cool. I like that. Wonderful. Hmm. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. It was so great talking to Brett. I love talking to fellow coaches because they really get it. They get the importance of knowing your why and building an audience to get known. If you dream of a Broadway life, Brett may be the coach for you. Visit him at brettschufer.com. And again, if you're interested in connecting with me for a free coaching session to get clear on your goals and to see if I'm the coach to help you achieve them, visit dianefoy.com/thrive. Another option is to join my Facebook group along with Brett's. (laughs) Mine is the Thriving Musicians and Actors Facebook group. A quick link to that is dianefoy.com slash Facebook.
And for links and a transcript, visit singdanceactthrive.com slash 049. Thanks for listening to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. Be sure to join the mailing list at dianefoy.com to gain access to exclusive bonus content, a weekly newsletter, and an invitation to our private Facebook group of purpose-driven performing artists and industry influencers. 